0: That (laughs) there were a bunch of different answers going on. (laughs) Okay, Uh, there's really there's really uh, 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 two or three reasons why I do it. One, because Paul told Timothy to not neglect the public reading of the scriptures, and two, because I figure that this is probably all the scripture that some people read every week. We're not going to do that this week. Instead, we're going to see a little video that the Caldwells have put together for us. And it has audio with it. Yeah.
1: The kingdom of heaven is like a man going on a journey that calls his servants and gives each a large amount of his wealth. He gave one five talents to another two talents and to another one talent and left on his journey. Immediately the servant given five talents went and used them and gained five more. The servant with two talents used them and gained two more. But the servant who received the one talent went away and dug a hole and hid his master's money. When the master returned, he came to his servants to settle his account. The first servant said, "'Look, master, you gave me five talents and I gained five more.' The master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come enter into the joy and favor of your master. The same happened with the servant given two talents. His master said, Well done, enter into my joy. And the last servant given the one talent said, Master, I know you demand the best and you reap where you do not sow. So I found a hiding place to keep your money safe. Here it is, safe and sound. And the master replied, Oh, you know me? If you knew I wanted the best, why did you do nothing? You could have invested and earned interest. The master then commanded that talent be given to the servant who had risked the most. And then he said, Take away this useless servant into the darkness.
2: Okay.
0: But everybody, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, you do understand that this doesn't, uh, that since you didn't read the scripture with me this week, you're not off the hook. You got to read some Bible this week if you're going (laughs) to get your Bible reading done. Would you stand with me? And now you can sit back down. I just, I just just wanted to have a little fun there. I'm a word wonk, uh, word nerd. I guess I, I, I enjoy words. Words are fun. Uh, you you can you can do cool things with words and funny things with words. Uh, how many of you? Most of you know what an oxymoron is. Okay, uh, an oxymoron is a figure of speech that combines two seemingly contradictory terms. A lot of things that we call oxymorons aren't really that, but but some really are. And you know, there's some. Very famous and very popular ones, but try not to be too hackneyed. Just to give you a couple of examples, American English is an oxymoron. Make up your mind. Um, Evaporated milk. (laughs) Is evaporated water wet? What about evaporated milk? Uh, Catfish. Oh. (laughs) Every now and then I'll be driving down the road and I'll see a bumper sticker that says, I I love cats. They taste just like chicken. (laughs) Apparently not. Tastes like fish, I guess. Pretty ugly. And, you know, if you're talking to a a teenager or something, or really uh, most, most anybody who's just kind of standing around, you go, what are you doing? Uh, they might say, nothing much. <laughs> Some things that aren't really, um, aren't really oxymorons, but we tend to call them that are really just more um, interesting images. Uh, books on tape. My question is, why? <laughs> um, that is a spare rib. Do you have one? Where do they get these things? Um, And then every famous Microsoft works. Sometimes. (laughs) And then then one of my personal favorites that, that I tend to run across every now and then is this one. It was, until you wrote that on it. And then, how many of you love puns? Oh, you're so messed up. Actually, I I like them. I'm reading a book presently about anti-gravity. It's impossible to put down. Did you hear about the guy whose entire left side was cut off? But he's all right now. (laughs) Thank you, Bruce. I wondered why the baseball was getting bigger, and then it hit me. Okay, just one more. Uh, Brian Ensminger is responsible for this, and he actually posted it on his Twitter. Uh, but he was... Uh, a, 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 what, he, what he said was, uh, so if somebody is, describes chronically describes things using very small words, would that be called nomenclature? I figured that one might be a little too... Yeah, work it. <laughs> then there's the Lost in Translation stuff. I've got a friend who's over in uh, China right now. He's living there for a few months. And, uh, and there's a hotel there that uh, proudly announces, we serve you with hostility.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they aren't always funny. Uh, back in the 80s, well, really, 80s and into the 90s, and, and certainly in the earlier part of the century, uh, 20th century, in South Africa, the system of uh, segregation that they had in the country. The Afrikaans word was a word that I think is really more descriptive in English, which was a part-hate. And the reason why I'm kind of talking about words is one, I'm a, I enjoy them, but also, but we have an interesting word before us today, and that's the word talent. See, in Jesus' day, it was a measure of weight, and it was seventy-five pounds. In biblical days, it, it would be around seventy-five pounds. Now, that's not the way we tend to think about talents today, but but in Jesus' day, if if you talked about giving a talent to somebody, uh that it was usually some sort of valuable thing, some sort of, some sort of currency. Uh, and often it would be silver or gold, and very often it would be gold. Uh, one talent of gold is 1,200 ounces, which at $1,500 an ounce is $1,800,000. So even this poor guy who only got one talent did okay. But in our language, the word tends to that's not what we connotate to immediately. We we connotate to the idea of, of skill, uh especially some sort of skill that requires natural ability. Some people have talent to do some things. Uh when I was in when I was in school, uh you know, there it seemed that everybody would kind of get classified according to how smart they were. Uh in my, in my day, you know, back in the day when they did such barbaric things. Uh, everybody's going to get classified according to how smart they were. And, you know, and you, you tend to sometimes kind of come out of school thinking, well, I'm not really smart. But as you get older, you discover that smart isn't what it's necessarily all about. I mean, smart is important, but talent is very important as well. Some some people are, may be able to be smart, but they, you know, they couldn't. They couldn't sell a, a cup of water to a person dying of thirst. Some, some people may be real, not necessarily so book smart, but man, you know they can sell ice blocks to Eskimos, and, and that's a talent, and they're going to do well in life because they're able to really relate to people. And other people have athletic gifts, and other people have musical gifts. Uh, I, I guess the Frasers are out of town today, and it's probably okay because... Uh, it's just so disgusting how musically talented they are. You, you, you should have to work at this stuff. You shouldn't just pick it up and be able to do it. And they, nevertheless, kind of can do that. But that's what we tend to think of when we when we think of talents. Um, in this particular parable, each servant receives a different amount according to his ability. Now, over in Luke chapter nineteen, there's a there's a companion parable to this one <laughs> speaking of interesting words in, in that parable all of the servants are given minas, and to me that's a squiggly little fish that you hold in your hand but in Jesus' day it was, it was about 20 ounces and um, they were all given the same amount they were each, they were each given 10 menace um, the Declaration of Independence states that all men are created equal, which is partially true. We're all created equal in that we uh, are all created in the image of God, and that's the most important and valuable thing that there is about all of us. It doesn't matter, you know, whether whether you're smart or not smart, or tall or short, fat, thin, old, young, black, white, red, yellow. It doesn't matter. You carry the image of God inside of you and that that's a valuable thing that we have in fact it's the most valuable thing that we have Jesus Christ died for every one of us and that also is of an estimable value Jesus Christ did not die more for me than he died for Kurt and he he did not die more for Thomas than he did for Valerie he died this. He died the same for each one of us. And so in that regard, we are all created equal. And there are certain areas of our lives where we are all equal. We really are. As the servants were over in Luke chapter 19, where they were all given 10 minutes. Now, in that parable, because it's the parable of the areas in which we're all equal, one took his ten minutes and earned ten more. One took his ten and earned five more, and one took his ten and did the same thing that this last guy did in this particular parable. And when the master came and sorted things out with them, the one who had taken his ten and earned ten more received ten cities to rule over. The one who had taken his ten and earned five more received five cities to rule over. The one who taken his tent and done nothing with it got the same thing this guy got at the end of this one. So the areas of our lives in which we all are on a level playing field, in those areas, you know, it, it matters what the produce is. It matters what comes out. There are rewards to be had, and I don't know what they are. I don't know, you know, if God, when he comes back, will go, "Well done, Wayne. You get Williamson and Rutherford County," and, and Ronnie, you get Cheatham County. Yeah, I, I, I don't know you know exactly how he's going to sort that out. And I don't know what they are. But there are areas of our lives where we're, where we're the same. But that's not what this parable is talking about today. Because there are other areas of our lives where we're very different. Uh, we're, we're, we're equal in some very important ways, but we're not equal in some other important ways. I cannot dunk a basketball. I never have been able to. hmm Actually, I did once. <laughs> but a trampoline doesn't count. <laughs> I mean, not really, you know, when you get right down to it. Uh, and neither does an eight-foot goal, though. it sure makes you feel big. Yeah, you know, when you when you get to play on something like that. But some people, they've got that. You know, they can do that. That's that that's what that's what they've been that's what they have been given. Um uh, To the extent that we're all equal, the issue is what we do with it. But to the extent that we're unequal, understand this God has specifically created and crafted the talents and the gifts that He has given to you. Specifically, they're custom designed for each one of us. And when we look at what somebody else can do or what somebody else has, it's not smart. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians, when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. In other words, what he's saying is if I look at Jim or if I look at Bruce or if I look at Carrie to figure out who I am, then that's not smart. I have to look to God to figure out who I am. And when I look at somebody who's got more talent in certain areas than than I have, that's not smart. And we do it all the time. We really do, and we, and, we, and we use it as an excuse for why we don't do things. Because sometimes we look at people and go, well, he can really do it, so I guess I'm not supposed to. Or we look at somebody else and go, huh, well, they're not doing much. I'm doing more than them. Bad thinking. Bad thinking. Over in uh, the latter part of this parable that we find out that the guy who had two talents and earned two more got exactly the same commendation as the guy who had five talents and earned five more. And the guy who got one talent, guess how many talents he would have had to earn to get exactly that same commendation? Just one. For each one of them, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. See, what is the master concerned with? What, what is the thing that, that he commends them for? He doesn't say, well done, good servant who earned five more talents. What does he say? Faithful. Faithful. That, that, is, that is what it is all about. It's not about what level you start with. It's really not about what level you end with. It's about faithful. And so then we come to this last servant. And this last servant came to him and he said, I I knew that you're a hard man. Harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. I don't think the master was really all that upset at losing the increase there because you know what? If we try and fail, we'll find mercy. I mean, you really will. Uh, Alan in the first service was presiding over communion and he shared something that just really went straight through to my heart. Cause I, I, I love baseball and I grew up playing baseball and, I understand the, the feeling all the way around. This team was playing in a tournament and, yesterday. Yeah. Extra innings. Yeah. The other team had runners on base, two outs, high fly ball to left field. The whole team's going, he's got it. He's got it. He's got it. He didn't have it. But Allen was going to center field or ran over, picked him up. Hugged him, you know what? You know, baseball players are kind of (laughs) kind of of gave him that. Walked in with him, and Alan was going, "You know, I saw Christ out there. Oh yes, that's how our God is. That's how He is." You know, we we tend we tend to think that. You know, I got it, I got it, I got it. I I don't have it. Oh no, I I can't be seen again. God's going to hate me. I can't go to church anymore. Anything like that. and, oh, God, help us, because the truth of the matter is there have been churches that you couldn't go to anymore after doing that. But if, if, if it's ever this one, somebody just blow out up the building and send us all home, okay? Because that's not how God is. My friend that I mentioned to you is over in China. Never been a believer, uh, but he's always been somewhat of a smart aleck. Uh, <laughs> So we get along great, you know, we at least have something in common. And, uh, and I I had, uh, he was back home for a few days and I had dinner with him and and I was mentioning that I was blogging through the new Testament this year. And he said, well, you take the new Testament and I'll take the old one. And he started rattling off all the bad stuff that Abraham did lying about his wife and everything and all the bad stuff that Moses did committing murder and all the bad stuff that David did, you know, and and you left a few out, you know. But the the truth of the matter is, God loves all those people. All of them found redemption. All of them found mercy. All of them. And so here's this guy, and what what the master was upset about, I don't think so much had to do with the fact that you you didn't earn any money on my talent here, but it was the fact that the servant didn't know him, didn't know him at all. Does a hard man entrust 1.8 million to you? Has God ever reaped where he hasn't sown? No possibility. This ignorance of his master led to a bad report. And sometimes as Christians, we give God a bad report. Don't shut me down. What we think about God usually says more about us than it does about God. Is God loving or condemning? (laughs) Yeah, that's actually a pretty easy one. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. But wait a minute, God is going to judge. Yeah, God's going to judge, but he's not condemning. Right. Jesus said over in John 3, 16, 17 and 18, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because he's refused to believe in the name of God's one and only son, because that's his chance to not be condemned. See, God didn't send Jesus into the world to to, to fix us and, 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 and now God is going to be angry and condemn everybody who doesn't believe in Jesus. No, we're already condemned. That's why Jesus came. God is love. I don't know what's so hard to understand about that. Where I was, the, the, the church culture that I grew up in, that's, that's dangerous talk. And to a lot of people, it's dangerous talk. It's like, you know, if you can't threaten them, They're not going to want to come to God. Most people are not attracted by threats. Most people are not looking for someone to threaten them. Most people are looking for love. And most of them are looking for it in all the wrong places because there's really only one place to find it. And that's God. But a lot of the people who don't know... A lot of the people who, know, who claim to know God think he's a, he's a hard man. No, uh uh-uh. uh. He's, he's the best man we can possibly imagine. Is God gracious or stingy? Yeah. But you, O oh Lord, are compassionate and, gr- and gracious, God, slow to anger. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Is God good or not good? That one was so easy. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. Jesus said, there's only one that is good. We're the ones who put limits on this. We're the ones who go, the Lord is good to all. Who look like me, who think like me, who believe like me, who agree with me, oh come on, this is true, but th- as I was saying last week when we were doing the the the, the Samaritan Good Samaritan thing, you know, I, I, how many of you actually how many of you actually wrote down the the thing on the Good Samaritan thing and I said who would what would jesus Use instead of a Samaritan if he were telling this one to you. Yeah, I mean, we, we uh, the guy who shouted out his answer, we know his. Uh, but you know, I, I, when I went home, Margaret said, "You know, I'm, am I'm glad you put that in there." I wrote down, and I, uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I said, "What'd you write down?" She said, "I wrote down a pimp." Can you imagine your mother writing that down? (laughs) You know what? I probably shouldn't have said anything about that. Don't y'all tell her. (laughs) Oh, boy. It's going to be fun at lunch today. (laughs) I need a script what I need. I need something to stay on. Yeah, it's okay to fail. I will find redemption. And you know, yeah, but you know what? You don't know why people are what they are. You don't know how they got there, but you do know God loves them. He may not approve of anything they're doing. But he would die for him in a heartbeat. He already has. Because he loves them. The ignorance of his master led him to fear. And the fear led him to repudiate what had been given to him. In a lot of ways, he was basically saying, it's your fault That I went and buried this talent. If you hadn't been so hard. If you hadn't been so mean. Then I would have tried. Very quickly let me kind of sum this up. A man went on a journey. Left his servants with property. All the property is God's. All of the property is God's. We, we We have nothing that is our own. Except our souls. And even that he gave to us. But that's the only thing that you have that really belongs to you. Yeah. Everything and, and, and if you want to follow Christ, if, if you wanna, even if you don't want to follow Christ, if you just want to understand life and have it all together, the foundationally what you need to know is that everything is God's. Everything belongs to Him. And it just makes life, it takes the pressure off. It makes life so much simpler. It makes it so much easier once you get that figured out. Job said in Job 121, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Everything is his. What he gives us is of great value. I mean, these, these servants receive from $1.8 to $9 million each. Pretty good, pretty good little haul there. So what are the talents? What has he given me? Well, regardless of what you can do, regardless of how smart you are, probably the greatest gift that he has given to you is time. Probably the most, it cannot be bought. The most valuable one you say, Well, wait a minute, everybody gets time. Yeah, but they don't all get the same amount. Some people get 100 years. Some people get 50 years. Some people get five weeks. What you have been given has been custom designed for you. And I don't know how long it'll be. He knows that it was custom designed for you. And it's one of the talents. It's one of the valuable things that he has given to you to put to use, put to work. And you wouldn't take anything for it. If someone were to come to you and go, look, I'll give you a billion dollars, make you beautiful and famous and you die tonight at midnight. Any takers? Shouldn't be. So it's very valuable. Youth. God's giving you, you know, God gives everyone youth. I mean, we don't stay there, but we all start there. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing to have. It's, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing for things to be amazing and fresh and beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful thing to hop out of bed in the morning and go and jump on your parents' bed and go, get up, get up, get up. It's morning time. You know, and not understand why they're going. Ugh. It's a great thing. It's a great gift. God gives to everyone, every single one of us. But we tend to have it in different measures. Some people tend to be able to hang on to a little health and kind of go, well, not everybody's healthy. well, it's in different levels, different states. you're breathing. you're here and then there's a the peripheral stuff, which is the stuff that we tend to think about intelligence, athletic skill, musical aptitude, acting, writing, dancing, mathematical skills and 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 things like that. I mean, all of those, all of those are all of those are talents, they're gifts, they're things that God has given to us. And what He's given to somebody else is totally irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. I love the I love the story over in John 21. Uh Jesus has risen from the dead, he's appeared to the disciples uh a couple of times, and now this is the last time that he's appearing to them before his ascension into heaven. They're out fishing. And they haven't caught anything all night. And he says, well, casting it on the other side of the boat. And they do. And they're catching some fish. And they get to shore. And he's, he's made breakfast for them. And it's a famous occasion where he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He says, feed my sheep. I like the little part right after that. Because after the third time, Peter turns around and sees John. And he says, Lord, what about him? And Jesus says, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? That's really none of your business. In fact, the Lord had just told Peter that Peter was going to die a martyr's death, which really was redemption for Peter. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter was swearing, I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus is going, not tonight you won't. And now Jesus is going, but you know what, Peter, you're going to get to do that. And the first question, what about him? And it's so often our first question. We we look at whatever it is God has given to us, and then immediately we default to, well, what about her? What what about him? What about that one? Jesus says, what about them? What does that have to do with you? You must follow me. I, you know, okay, everybody's got time. Everybody's got health. Everybody had youth. You, you say, I don't have any gifts. What do you enjoy doing? I mean, what, what really f- turns you on? What flips your switch? And I know some people may go, well, what I really enjoy doing is kind of sin. No, you really don't. I mean, you enjoy it while you're doing, but you do the sin thing a while, and it, and it begins to go eh. You know, I'm talking about what do you enjoy doing that really turns you on and there's no eh with it. That's your talent. That's your, it, may be, it may be arranging flowers. It may be cooking. It, it may be telling dumb jokes. It, it may be adding numbers up. Whatever it is. It may be bowling you know, you bowl for the glory of God, and you may not even be any good at it, but you just enjoy it, and you just feel him when you're there. Life just kind of pulsates through that whole situation, and, and you know, you may go through life, and you may get to the end of it and go, well, I bowled. Don't know what else I did, but there may be a time that, you know, you're there and and maybe you know about it. Maybe you don't when somebody goes, you know, what that guy can't bowl worth, but he sure is having fun. I wish I enjoyed things the way he does. You know what his secret is, don't you? He's doing it for the glory of God. That's what it is. Where's he go to church? whatever, you know, you just don't, you don't know. But what, that thing that God has put into you, don't be intimidated into going off and burying it somewhere. Don't let anybody tell you God would not be happy with that. Don't let, don't let anybody uh, intimidate you into burying that thing so that it cannot bear fruit. One of the, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this church having, A calling to redeem the arts is, you know, I grew up in a situation when once you discovered that that was what your passion was, uh, the, the first thing that you heard was, you can't do that here. God will not be happy with that. If God gave it to you, he will be happy with it. If you will do it, he will, and it will be fruitful. You'll get to the, you'll, when you stand before him, the Don't be intimidated at using it, and don't use it for selfish ends. Don't don't use it just for me, 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 me. But if you'll use it to bring joy into the world, if you'll use it to bring beauty into the world, if you'll use it to bring light and truth into the world, people will be attracted to Jesus Christ. And when you stand before God, you have no idea No idea how fruitful that will have ended up being. But you find out that day, and hopefully you'll hear, well done. You were faithful with what I gave you. Enter into your master's happiness. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to pray for people, come forward. You know, this obviously isn't a uh, just-as-I-am kind of sermon, and it's really not a, uh, uh, well, I, don't, I, I won't say what it isn't, because I don't know what it isn't. I use, most of the time when people come up to me and tell me all this wonderful stuff that they heard in the sermon, it wasn't stuff I said anyway. It's, it's what the Holy Spirit said to them while I was talking. But a number of the, the people who are down front have said to me on occasions, you know what really turns me on? I love to go down there and pray for people. It's what they're, it's what they're good at, it's what they're called for. And I know that every, every week, every Sunday, it's not just on Sundays, but Sunday for sure, there are people who come in here hurting, confused, in need. And that's why we do this every week. Some get touched during the worship. Some get touched during the word. Many need to be touched before the throne of God with somebody else. So if you have anything that you need prayer for, we're going to worship for a few moments. You come forward and, and if... You know, if, if the sermon spoke to you in, in such a way that you kind of went, you know what? I really enjoyed that way back then, but it's been buried for a long time. And boy, oh, I, I sure would like to, to get it back up and begin to do that again in my life. But I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I, I, I just don't. You come. You need a breakthrough. That's what you need. And prayer will help you get there. So we'll worship for a few moments, and we'll wait for you. And you come.
2: Out on the farthest the stage, there, there in the silence You were there Faithless andorn the to shred, shred.
0: father of our lord and savior jesus christ who sent his son into the world not to condemn the world but so that we might have life that we might have it to the full may you experience and use all of the great gifts that he has given to you and may you bear fruit that will last for eternal life through jesus christ our lord amen